Episode 1071. Wait, should I start saying 1071 or 1071? Yeah, 10 sounds cool. 1071. I like it. And it's the Relevant Podcast here in Orlando. I'm your host, Cameron Strang. And joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From This is it. The whole team's back together. We're so excited. From Nashville, Tennessee, artist, producer, mogul, Derek Miner. What up, dope? And from Austin, Texas, author, speaker, podcaster, Jamie Ivey. Hey, guys. We have missed... Well, Derek, you've been gone, man. I haven't seen uh, Derek in like years. Years. I'm sorry. Uh, emotionally. Emotionally. <laughs> I'm so years. sorry. No, no, no. Hey, so I want to I want you to tell people what you were doing because a couple of episodes ago you were out because uh, you were in D.C. for a few days yeah. doing your entrepreneurship event. Tell us about it. Yeah. So I have a, um, a nonprofit called Ownership is the New Black. Well, it's called We Own Now, but our campaign is Ownership is the New Black. And it always started around I always the time. get weird looks when I wear the t-shirt around town. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but it all, a lot of it was started or birthed during the time of uh, George Floyd. And I just really felt like, man, I could either argue with people or I could do something about it. So what I feel is I wanted to take artists and influencers and show them how to advocate uh, for black ownership. So it's just a campaign where we, if we can use art to destroy community and, you know, push drugs and all those different things, why can't we use art to talk about black ownership, financial literacy, advocacy for things that matter? So it's just really once a year, we take uh, about 20 influencers. We take them to D.C., to the um, National Museum of African American History. So that's the first stop. Then uh, we partner with the CPJ, the Center for Public Justice, and they talk about things that can help close the racial wealth gap. So we talk about paid family leave and um, what else? We talk about baby bonds and different things like that. And then the next day, we actually take these influencers from all around the country to their actual Senate office on Capitol Hill and they actually talk to the the aides and the people that are writing the laws, and they advocate for the community. So uh, this is the second so year we've cool. done it. Yeah. And it's, it's been it's been really cool. So I'm excited, man. Yeah, it, that is really awesome. I remember seeing the movement start like as inspiring posts and 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 then podcast stuff and videos yeah. you were doing with you know about money management and launching businesses and stuff like that. And it's like taking it to that next level of like. It's not just about grassroots entrepreneurialism and financial yeah. literacy. It's also about advocacy and policy. And I love that you're hitting it from all sides, man. I'm proud of you. It's really cool. Yeah, to people see. think issues are only tackled in one way. So right. they're like, hey, you got to pick yourself up by your bootstraps. But Martin Luther King would say, but that's a terrible thing to tell a, a, a bootless man to pick himself mm -hmm. up by his bootstraps. So you have to walk and chew gum at the same time. It's personal responsibility and a systematic change. It's 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 both of them. It's it's not either or. So what, what what's the feedback like from some of the 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 people that you're able to take on this trip? Like you said, it's second time. Like after yeah. like pre trip, post trip. Like what's what's there? How you know? How do you kind of observe any like perspective shifts that they have? So here's the thing. I think at times we take for granted how powerful our voices are. Right. I mean, I think even us on this podcast, like, I mean, all of us have access to so many different people. And I think these artists, 
you can get stuck in this idea that you're only an artist. That's that's just you get on, you post your little TikToks with your song, promoting your song, and that's that. And you know, I keep telling these people that people listen to you. There's people that are sitting back and saying, "Man, if Jamie Ivy says do A, B, C, or D, I'm gonna do it. I'm not even gonna research it because I trust her. She's a trusted voice." And I think that that's what we leave with is people feeling empowered mm-hmm. when they go home. And it's not only just artists, like anyone can actually go and talk to an aide at Capitol. You can call the office mm-hmm. of your senators and tell them what you actually feel, what you want them to vote for. Like they are servants of the people. And I think that sometimes we forget that and artists specifically forget or don't even know the power that they have. So everyone always leaves feeling inspired and feeling, you know, wanting to engage in, in civil conversations and, and and they they feel empowered. And that's the thing that I want to do is I want to empower us to know that we can use our gifts for good. And that's not just black people. That's just people in general. Right. So mm-hmm. my focus right now is black ownership because, you know, I, I want to help close the racial wealth gap, help heal some of the racial trauma in America. But that's anybody. That's for anything. Mm-hmm. Christians, if if you feel like there's some things that you don't like happening, like call your senator's office, call your local representative's office. They, they're they're supposed to listen to you. Right. So what, what, what I love about what you're what you're doing is you're not letting anybody off the hook because everybody has a voice. Yeah, and right. so like, you know, we all have platforms now with social media and different things. And so you can make a difference. You can lead by example. You can talk about issues that matter to you. My thing is like God opens different people's eyes to different causes. You don't have to be involved on the front lines of every cause. He's opening right. your eyes to specific things for a reason. What are you doing about those things? That's my thing is like, right. It, you want to make a difference. Now, What? how do I do it? You don't have a perfect roadmap. You're figuring out as you go, but you're doing what you can to raise awareness, to create discussion, to create understanding, empower people. And like other people can do that too. Like mm-hmm. follow Derek's example. I mean, go be the change you want to see. If you're mad at the church, don't leave. Get involved at the church. Be Make it different. Right. You know, if you're right. mad about systemic issues, you better get involved on with those with those issues. And so Derek, you're setting an amazing example. Man. Yeah, man. Right. And the, and the last thing I'll leave is I always forget this until I go to Capitol Hill. Those people are human beings just like us. Mm-hmm. And it's real easy for us to armchair, watch the news and get, have a framework pushed on us to say that this stuff is really easy, but it's not. And the more that you have conversations with people that are in power, you realize how complicated some of these issues are. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think the Bible says pray for your leaders because mm-hmm. they're under a lot of pressure. And yeah, there's some people that are that are that do bad things. But I think we win when we build coalition together. That's why I always leave thinking I'm trying to have a friend in Capitol Hill as opposed to, oh, I told them what I feel. Yeah. Right. It's better for us to to be friends and say, well, we're all in this country together. How can we work together to try to build something that's useful for everybody? And everybody's not going to win on every point. But that's the beauty of community. No one, you know, even in your own little family, nobody wins on everything. Right. Mm-hmm. So can yeah, we man. take that little last clip of Derek just talking about that and play that at the beginning of every show in 2024, just so we can all remember <laughs> that as we head into <laughs> June, July, August, September, October, November? Like, let's just keep just We're play friends. that. I love We're it. Friends here. We're friends, guys. We're in this together. Oh man! When he said that, yeah, there are some people that do bad things. Immediately, my brain started making a list of them. To be honest with you, <laughs> right? 
I was no, like, no, well, Derek, mm, that's wait, you what? Said, wait, wait, hold on. There's people that do bad things. I thought you were in DC. Where? where? <laughs> I don't know. I'm confused. Everyone has the right motive there, right? No one's, you know, molesting people and all oh kinds my. of grabbing oh people. Oh my! It's getting oh. spicy. I thought. I thought that is. I thought in. I'm confused there because I was pretty sure in a democracy, <laughs> that's where our brightest minds and finest morals go to um, uh, collectively serve the people. Hum- uh, yeah, yeah. The, you know, uh, productively mm. and ethically debate the issues of the day and the ways they can be of most service to the people. So I'm confused about why you would say that about DC, but uh, I'm glad you went. I love it, Derek. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're moving the show along. We have a great show in store for you. Coming up later, we talk to Drew Holcomb. He has a new album out. We love him. He's a friend of the show. Uh, We also have your feedback. But stay tuned. Right now, Emily joins us for Relevant Buzz. listening to Hemlock Springs. The song is Sever the Blight. Season four of The Chosen is in theaters now, and the reviews that count are in. Amazing. Did not disappoint. Flurry of emotions. It was powerful, heartbreaking, uplifting. You have got to come and see it. It is a message for everybody. I highly recommend that you come out and see The Chosen season four. Episodes one through three of The Chosen season four are in theaters till February 14th. So visit thechosenriseup.com and get your tickets now. That's thechosenriseup.com for tickets today. Okay, it's time for Relevant Buzz. Please welcome to the show our very own downtown Emily Brown to tell us what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture this week. Hey, Emily. Hey, y'all. Hey, uh, before you get going with Relevant Buzz, I do have to say something. I've been people have been calling me out on Twitter. On yeah. last episode, we talked about Taco Tuesday. This episode mm-hmm. is coming out on Friday. We were talking about it on the Tuesday show, um, and, and how I think there was a slice about how Taco Bell is suing the owner of the Taco Tuesday trademark, which is a chain called Taco John's. They own the trademark. Mm-hmm. While we were talking, I go to Taco John's website and go into the location finder. And I see a national map of all these little dots where the Taco John's are. And I mistakenly thought that was all the locations of Taco John's. Because I was like, oh, "Oh, they have like 20 locations from this state to this Mm -hmm. state. People have been tweeting me all week about, oh, well, I'm in Peoria, Illinois, and we have 17 Taco John's. And I'm like, okay, I'm so sorry that the national location finder at tacojohns.com did not tell me about your local Taco John's. I'm just (laughs) publicly saying I was wrong, and I apologize. So Taco John's is apparently a vibrant West Coast chain. 
that everybody loves. So well, I had no Cameron, idea. in your defense, I mean, I think that the blame here goes on Taco John for not updating their website. That's what I'm saying. But, but whatever. Whatever. You know. I'm wrong. I didn't have firsthand knowledge about Taco John's location. Well, so. I, it, I've actually, it inspired me a lot, that discussion, as I'm sure <laughs> it did for most people who heard it. I had, a, I had, I talked about that discussion at dinner the night after we recorded that. So yes, that conversation <laughs> did come back around for me <laughs> because as well. I, I was like, dude, I'm drawing up the trademark right now for <laughs> <laughs> Shish kebab Saturdays, fajita Fridays, yeah. and listen fajita to this. Fridays. This is my favorite one. Sunday Sundays. Okay, this is. Oh, but, okay. Yeah. And, if, and if any Sundays. enterprising shish kebab stand or or like a Chili's or or someone a proprietor of fajitas or obviously any ice cream, fajitas are a little close to taco. Maybe we should do falafel. You can take them down. Falafel Fridays. I like that. Falafel mm. Fridays. A little I international I like, flavor. How about wine? Well, wine is kind of a, it's not a brand, but Wine Down Wednesdays. There's a bar here in downtown Orlando that does Wine Down Wednesdays, and it is like thousands of people standing outside in what? downtown Orlando with alcohol in their hands. Yeah. Wow. There's like a big, one of the towers has a big like open area. There's a restaurant mm-hmm. on the bottom, and they have a big sign, Wine yeah, Down does Wednesdays. Does anyone own the Wine Down? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Jesse, yeah. this is your chance. It's your chance, man. I know. Uh, okay. Well, anyway, that has nothing to do with Roland Buds. I just, that was a uh, corrections thing that you usually have at the end of the show, but I want to do it up front. So, Taco John's, call off the dogs. I'm sorry. What, what's going on at the intersection? Meatball Mondays. <laughs> it can apply to subs. It can apply to like spaghetti. It can apply to pizza. Pizza, meatball pizza. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Meatball Mondays. I own it. So, good Isn't luck. Olive Garden. Come at you me. You have meatballs Garden. on your pizza. Sure. Yeah. Come at me, Olive right? Garden. I'm yeah. taking Meatball Monday. <laughs> what starts with a th? Thick burger Thursdays? Thick like oh, what's a, what's a th? no no thick and juicy yuck. thick and juicy Thursdays? No, nope, it can be whatever you want. Thick and juicy Thursdays can be whatever you want. All I know is if you use it, you owe me money because I bought the trademark. <laughs> I can see trust certain, me, it was not cheap. So please, please use it and pay me. I can see certain nighttime establishments doing thick and juicy mm-hmm. Thursdays, but anyway. All right. <laughs> what do we have happening at the intersection of faith and culture this week, Emily? Ooh, thank you for that intro. Um, it has been. This is musty. <laughs> musty Mondays, thick and juicy Thursdays. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Musty meatballs. Yeah. Musty meatball Mondays. Mm, just musty. Mm, 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 go, Emily. Go, Emily. Please, go. Save oh, us. Get us out of this, Emily. Save us. Um, okay, we're going to talk about <laughs> meatloaf Mondays. Done. Uh, okay, I want to mm. talk about uh, sriracha you know... Saturdays. <laughs> Cameron, I know that you are the owner, but will you please stop? <laughs> we are trying to have. All right, a we're trying to move on. Here. Let's go on. Sriracha okay. Saturdays would be your favorite day of the week, Derek. I saw your post about how much you love sriracha. There is a sriracha no, shortage right now, actually. So ketchup. it's a little touchy subject. Mm. Oh. Derek, did you know this? I didn't. I was going to text this back to you, but there is a sriracha s- shortage happening right now. As long so, as they got enough to put it in the ketchup, the sriracha ketchup, oh, we will be okay. okay. Dang, why is there a shortage of everything? It happened Damn. before, don't you remember? There was a sriracha shortage a few years ago, and then they what like is replenished. What sriracha that they are running out of? Yeah. It's probably some chemical that we that <laughs> better off without. Lithium, the, yeah. six, or yeah. you know, what I'm saying you can't even yeah, yeah. spell it. It's like thirteen yeah. letters long. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, Emily, go ahead. What's going on? Okay. Uh, well, it has been a pretty rough week for churches and documentaries, so we really got to talk about mm. that. 
there's two mm. ac- there's actually two big documentaries that have come out or are coming out that we want to talk about. The first one is FX's documentary, The Secrets of Hillsong. Um, the first mm. part, the first two episodes premiered last week. The second two episodes are premiering tonight. And it has been interesting to see uh, what is being told about their story. So, um, you know, we went into this not really sure what it was going to cover. Um, but it is covering sort of the rise of Hillsong and a lot of the rec- a couple of the recent scandals. Um, and it also features interviews with Carl Lentz and his wife, Laura, which is the first interviews they've done since they left the church in 2020. Um, so, yeah, the first episodes premiered last week. Did any of y'all watch those episodes? Well, you and I did. No, I, 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 I haven't not, watched them yet. I want to, but I have not. It makes me I get nervous going in. So, so do yeah, I. You like, should be. I, you should be. Yeah. I, 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 I'm not discouraging anyone from watching it. And I, I consider myself someone who's reasonably up on pop culture. And I like docu, I like docu-series. It's one of my favorite genres. But I don't, this one, I, I think just being, you know, so kind of close to a lot of this content or, or just a lot of the story over the years in, dif- in different capacities. Yeah, it's, it's challenging to want to engage with as like a piece of entertainment, but I do think mm-hmm. it's, there's value in hearing the pitfalls and, and, and holding people accountable. But I, I plan on watching it, but I, but I haven't yet. You know? I'll just give you a heads up for all the view. So a lot of people are waiting for three and four to come out today and before they dive in. So here's here, let me temper your expectations. Okay. So th- there was a documentary on discovery plus last year talking about Carl. It was done by the people at page six, the tabloid page, gossip page. And it was just all the tabloid stuff. And so some people watched it. Not many people had Discovery Plus. Now it's, you know, merged with Max. So it would have had a bigger audience this year, but um, it it wasn't very good. So a lot of people have different expectations for this one because this is Vanity Fair. This is Mm. like legit journalism, FX, broadcast, Hulu. Um, Let me just temper your expectations. I thought it would be like the other FX Hulu documentary about the pool boy, about the Jerry Falwell Jr. scandal. Yes. And then oh like gosh. they sit down with the pool boy and tell the whole mm-hmm. story. I thought, you know, hey, they're going to sit down with Carl because Carl and Laura and their kids are in this documentary. I thought this is going to be that for this story. It is not. Um, they very quickly get distracted. I feel like the team, the filmmakers get distracted and they try to introduce mega churches to the audience and so and the pitfalls of mega churches and so they're like mm-hmm. trying to say like hillsong was broken because they asked people to tithe and they asked people to volunteer without pay and it's just like okay have y'all ever been to a, a contemporary church before so like i feel like there's like all these like narratives woven in that kind of lose the plot a little bit yeah and then midstream this, the headlines started coming out about Brian Houston and the trial that's going on right now, which I'll be very careful mm. to not libel myself, but about the accusations about his father uh, previously mm. and that what, what did Brian know and the cover-up and all that kind of stuff. The documentary gets distracted, not distracted with that, but starts to emphasize that. So if mm-hmm. you're going into this thinking that we're going to sit down with Carl the way we sat down with the pool boy and we learned things... We don't. Uh, there are volunteers talking about tithing more than there are Carl on screen. And so it's just kind of like you can tell very quickly. They just go, yeah, Carl fell. And well, you know why, though? And this is not anything Carl said. And let me be very clear. Carl does not make himself a victim and he does not blame shift at all. 
But the documentary makes it out to be Hillsong was broken. And so surely, you know, Carl fell and Brian fell and it's this big, sick monster of a machine and Carl's story gets lost in it. And so it's just really kind of disappointing because I thought we would get the pool boy story and we don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. So take that I for think what it sometimes is. Sometimes these doc, even with what you're saying, Cameron, it can be a little like the, the reason it makes me anxious and like sweaty armpits. And I don't know if I want to endure this is mm. when it switches to like bashing, not just Hillsong, but like the church yeah. and what church is that mm-hmm. makes me super uncomfortable because it often doesn't feel fair to me. Um, like a fair assessment of what it means to be a part of a local church. All local churches have problems and all the things. And it's a tragedy when we see these things. But when it switches to like, well, this is what's wrong with people who are Christians. That's what makes me uncomfortable. I'm not, I don't know if it does. I haven't seen it, but those, it, it, it that's doesn't. Get, like, it says, what are they going to say? It says, this is what's wrong with attending Hillsong. Mm-hmm. There mm. are things that they highlight that are actual issue. Like it, it does touch on things. Like we said that it's like, it's not necessarily an issue for the church. Like, Tithing is a biblical thing. Volunteering at like working with your churches, that is not an issue itself. There are times where they do mention things that are like, okay, that actually was probably problematic or they should have addressed that on like different things. <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. But it is like we, I think Cameron and I, we've talked about it. And what's hard with this is it's like, we just don't know who it's, who the audience is. Cause for, it's like, yeah. mm-hmm. it's like, I, you know, if you were in the church when all this stuff came out about Carl, I don't need a primer for what a mega church is like. I know yeah, what it's yeah. like. You know, I've been in that yeah. culture yeah. and it feels like it spent a lot of time developing that. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. I wanted this to go deeper and mm-hmm. really explore like, okay, how did this happen? And like, how did mm-hmm. we get here? And it's not because they asked people to tithe. It is because of other yeah. things. Yeah. Um, it just feels yeah. like they went kind of like an inch deep when we could have gone much deeper. In my opinion, it's the two edged sword of nuance, right? Nuance cuts both ways, right? So a lot of times Christians are totally oblivious to the nuance happening outside of the bubble. Well, then also when people from outside of the bubble try to do things on Christian Christendom, they're often blind to the nuance, right? Of what's happening inside of it. So then usually the plot is lost either way right Mm -hmm. the plot is lost either way like oh this is what you need to do to fix the bathroom issue (laughs) right and then you know what i'm saying and then the flip side is this is how you fix the big bad mean church raw you know what i'm saying and it winds up falling flat and and i think that's why we gotta have like i said earlier in the pod coalition (laughs) to get to the bottom of actual issues so you can understand the nuance right so this is, uh, Emily nailed it. My feeling is the first two episodes kind of went an inch deep on a whole lot of stuff and it felt unfocused. Apparently episode three and four, of which I talked to somebody who's seen it. Uh, episode three is a completely about Brian Houston and his father, Frank. And then half of uh, episode four is also that story. And then the last half of episode four is about accountability. Mm. Uh, Carl and Laura sitting down talking about his rehab and his healing journey over the last two and a half years, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a little bit more there. It comes back to Carl at the end. Uh, But by and large, it left more for me a lot more unanswered than answered. Mm. And so to that end, Carl and Laura are sitting down and recording Kind of an unfiltered uh, podcast that'll come out in the next few days uh, where they're just going to like fill in all the gaps and like basically respond to all the questions people are still asking. And they're like, well, we we sat down. They literally, they sat down with the documentary crew crew for nine days, 10 hour days wow. of just interviews. And Sheesh. they used 
they used yeah. four minutes of it. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? And it's just like, so Carl and Laura thought, we're doing this to tell the story, uh -huh. to open up, be transparent. Here's everything. And the documentary people didn't use it. And so mm -hmm. they're basically like, okay, well, we have a lot we need to tell people. So they're going to come back and do that. And I respect that they're going to do that. We'll see how that turns out. But anyway. You know what I always think about when I think about something like this is that like people have been falling massively into sin and making mistakes since the beginning of time. This is what we do as humans. Thick like, and juicy right. Thursdays. Make, I'm telling you, it's been a thing. We make <laughs> massive, massive mistakes in our lives, even when we're following Jesus. And I don't know, Carl or Laura, I've at all but i always when stuff like this happens it always makes me think in the current culture that we live in it is so hard to fall because it's because everyone knows about it whereas 40 years ago 50 70 100 years ago your community maybe if you were like large enough it might go into a magazine that takes 40 days to print and yeah. then 15 to get to the you know what i mean and so like it's just kind of like oh you fell you go to recovery everything's better it's just these stories always remind me of like these are real people Carl and his wife, Laura, that I don't know. But these are real people who I don't know what they've been going through the last 10 years of their life, but apparently it's been pretty hard. And it makes me check my heart of like what I think about them. And you know what? Does that make sense what I'm saying? Of just like yeah. everything, it's everything they've gone through has been so public, whether they deserved all of it or not. That has to really suck, really suck. Yeah. But it's interesting to see like, but they're also continuing that by going public with all of their stories. So they are yeah. continuing to satisfy the people, us, by telling us what happened. And I often wonder, do we deserve to know? I I think, uh, I mean, my personal feeling is uh, I do know Carl and Laura very, very well. And um, I know about sex abuse that happened in his life when he was a child and how mm -hmm. that kind of rewired him and how he fought those demons his whole adult life and how he tried to cope and how he became an addict behind the scenes, uh, mm -hmm. uh, prescription drugs. He's mm -hmm. been in rehab uh, since leaving ministry. He's gotten clean. He's completely sober now. He's been in counseling for several years. His family is doing unbelievably well. But he was like trapped in this double life, like brokenness and didn't have anywhere to turn. I, on a human level, have empathy for that. Mm -hmm. And we all Me have too. that in some level. I couldn't imagine the microscope he was under or other pastors. Like, hey, I'm a pastor struggling with pornography, which studies mm -hmm. say 75% of them have a, a porn addiction. Who are they going to tell to get help? Uh, they can't tell their elders or they're going right. to lose their job right. and can't provide for their family. So what do I do? And then it stays hidden and then it builds and bad things happen. So it's like, I have empathy for the machine being broken and we, the collective church need to do a better job uh, with helping our leaders stay healthy and stay in the race. That's number one. But number two, when somebody has such cultural influence as some of these ministries do millions of followers, millions of people coming to Jesus or following them as you know as they follow Jesus if you if it comes out and it comes to light that you were kind of living a double life and you weren't the person that you portrayed you were i mm -hmm. do feel like that there should be transparency about that because, for sure yeah you know what i mean like i feel like so you said do we deserve to know i feel like because of the nature of their influence we deserve to know who we were influenced by and also i want to know now that it's all in the light what are you doing about it? And who are you and how are you responding? Because then maybe I can learn from that too and apply it to my own life, you know? And, and more than anything, it gives you empathy for people. Everybody's human. I, yeah. I think I disagree to a, to a small degree because you wouldn't hold anyone to that 
we wouldn't hold a normal person to that standard. Yeah, but spiritual so we'll, leadership is different in my mind. No, There's a responsibility it's, it's, but, and a mantle to that. It's different. It's different, but it's not so different in the sense of these are real humans right. with real things. So when you start spilling massive details, like we all have things in our family that's never going to leave our family, right? Things that we're not just, we're just not going to share with one another struggles and things of that nature. So there has to be a level of buffering to allow people to be human, whether they're in spiritual leadership or not, not even if it's not for them, even if it's not to preserve their platform, but if it's for their kids, mm-hmm. if it's for their, you know what I'm saying? Their loved ones and their family members, no one wants to be like, yeah, your dad was, oh, yeah, your dad, yeah, he was in church. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, or whatever the nasty thing is, the the deep, dark, sinful thing that we have in our life. Like, you got to also think about the children and the, and I know the, the pushback probably would be, well, they should have thought about it by going through those things. But again, this, I could tell you from a person that has, has had a little bit of fame, right? It comes at you fast. And no matter how much, even if you had the best mentorship, no one can prepare you for the thing that your ego has to adjust with. All of those things, it comes at you so fast. A lot of times people are just making decisions on fumes and surviving. And the question is, what does that benefit by me just saying, okay, yeah, for the past 10 years, let me tell you all my dirty secrets because you were, you followed me. It's, it's like, I don't, I don't, I disagree a little bit. Like, you know, I, I think that I think there's a happy medium, like the things that are relevant to the people should be told to the people. Right. Like the things that are relevant. Hey, yeah, I stole from y'all. I did this or that. But there's certain <laughs> human things. I think we got to be careful with saying we're going to hold people to a standard higher than human. If we wouldn't expect that from somebody that's not that doesn't have a million followers, then why would we expect it from somebody I, with a million I, followers? I, I think the distinction though, isn't nece- for me, isn't necessarily like how big of someone's platform is or how they got that platform. But it's like, you know, even, even biblically, like minister people who are in ministry and particularly in my opinion, if you've solicited like donations off of your mm-hmm. character and your kind of spiritual and moral high ground as like a teacher of the gospel and someone who literally went through an ordination I think you mm-hmm. got to be held to a higher standard. And I think you've got to be transparent with people. I think it's a different case than someone who has a platform because maybe they're an artist or maybe they're, they just, they're adjacent to fame or whatever. I think that's a different level. I totally agree with H- you, but, but higher I, standard for sure. But, but I think, I'm not saying, it, yeah. I, but I think if, if people are following you and donating to a ministry that is based around your personality and your perspective and your teaching, I do think Obviously, there's some discretion there, but I do think there needs to be some degree of transparency too when it comes to moral and ethical issues. You, you know what I mean? Like other other. True, but yeah, I, I hear you. But I'm saying where? First of all, I would say where is the biblical precedence for that? Like, there's no. If we're talking about these are people, if we're saying we're gonna go by the Bible, right? Where is the biblical precedence that if you fall and stumble? That you're supposed to, or if you've been, if you have a ongoing addiction or thing of that nature, that if you get found out that you're to tell every dirty little secret that you have to appease the people because they followed you. I don't see a biblical precedence for that. And then I also don't see a productive precedence. For, I don't see, I, I don't see how productive that would be besides uh, quenching the thirst of our desire for tea and revenge. 
like I, I don't to me I'm like I don't see the how productive that would be I would I have a little response to, that. to me like I agree with you in the sense of like okay you're a spiritual leader you have some moral failing you talk to the elders about it they remove you from ministry you and your family can go live a private life I don't need to know what happened but to me if you're wanting to come back into ministry or something like that like or or I feel like we have a right to know that whatever was broken is healed what happened? Sure. What it, what are we going now? Because I need to be able to trust you moving forward. And so, like to sure. me, if you want to go away, fine. But if you want to come back to the pulpit, there's a different level of transparency. Yeah. I think sure. that'd be required. So yeah. So what I'm not saying, what I'm not saying is you should just step back in and give no explanation for what you've done. Right. right? I think that I'm not saying that. Right. I'm just like there are certain things. That it's like, yo, it, there's details that we don't need For to sure. know about sure. everyone, sure, 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 sure. right? Yeah, Not just our leaders, but everyone. So I'm saying there's a level of like, when you say transparency, it's like, what do we mean there? It's like, we all know, like even with Carl, we all know he he was in some sort of affair type situation, right? He had a situation ship, right? We know that. We know that uh, there was some issues as far as like ego and all of that. Yeah, address what's been addressed and say, hey, this is what happened. And that's all they're this doing. Is, this Just is so that. Know. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I'm cool with that. But I'm like, I don't know if it has to be one of these things where it's like, all right, I don't. Th I think it on that. I don't know. It just has to be a balance, man. Like it has to be a balance because I'm always going to advocate for the humanism. You people. just don't want yeah. me to tell everybody about the Conjuicy Thursdays. That's what your issue is, is your faith is going to get out. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm there every night. <laughs> well, J Jamie, just a real quick response to Derek. Yeah, I, Derek, I'm in, I'm in agreement with you. I don't, I don't think like every detail needs to like come forth. But I do think if one, if it involves, you know, a victim, particularly someone who was involved in that ministry, like if it involves impropriety within the ministry, the people that have supported and helped build that ministry need to know it. And, and the biblical precedence I'm talking about is in, is in James, where James literally says, not many of you should become teachers because you're going to be judged way more strictly. stricter judgment. Yeah. Yes. And, 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 but the question is, what if that victim does not want to be outed? What if that victim is like, yo, I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want none of this. The, these victims have talked to the media. Yeah, yeah. They are, they were different, yeah. different, but, right. but you, you're saying, for anyone that if there's a victim involved, you need to out that and no, say no, no, what no. you that, did with that. That's not what I'm saying. Now, if it's just like, hey, this is public discourse, let me clear it up. Cool. Right. But I'm like, that's there's some people Laura that did. have been yeah, yeah. hurt. Yeah. And it's like, yo, yeah. I don't, I want to move on with my life. I don't want nothing to do with yeah, this. Yeah, like, I'm not suggesting, yeah. obviously, like, you know, talking about someone who doesn't want to be discussed. But I'm just saying, like, I think there's, there's a line that, okay, things need to be disclosed with some degree of discretion if it involves yeah. a couple things. Sorry, go ahead, Jane. This was just the thing that, I, that started this whole thinking for me is this goes deeper. And this is a whole nother conversation about like celebrity Christians, which yes. it is what it is. Like you are representing Jesus in what you do and all, I mean, writing books, preaching, all the things. And so then you get the celebrity status. And to me, that feels very, very scary. But my point was, I've never been led by Carl. Like I didn't go to his church. I, I don't, I guess he's written books. I've never read a book of his. I have, I'm not at his new church where he is now. So my thing for me is me watching these 
videos and even listening to the podcast, if I'm honest, it comes from just voyeurism. Like, I just want to give me the juicy details. I don't want to know what's going on. But he, but I don't know that he owes that to me, him and Laura, because I was never under his leadership. That's what I, but I understand the trickiness to it because he's a celebrity. So where do you define who he's leading and who he's not leading? It's a big problem. There's, there's nuance there. Who's he leading and who's he not leading? I don't feel led by Carl. So me watching this or listening to it, which I probably will, because I'm just like, oh, this sounds interesting. But where's that coming from? It's coming from me like, oh, I want some juicy details. What happened to him? And I don't think that's good on my party. That's really, that's a really good perspective. Like, uh, but you know, the thing that's unique about guys at Carl's stature is they also have broken into mainstream culture and they represent the church to so much mm-hmm. of right. culture. So it's like it almost like Carl scandal makes us all look bad. And so our friends and real mm-hmm. life are like, oh, you're one of those. Oh, you're like. You're a hypocrite mm-hmm. like those Hillsong people. And it's like yeah. to understand actually what was going on at Hillsong. So even though I wasn't part of Hillsong, I could actually intelligently talk about it to my non-Christian friends or whatever. Like it's kind of helpful because in their mind, that defines what all young Christians are like, you know, and it's like, well, that's not true. And I have amazing friends who are part of Hillsong and they love Jesus and they're not out having scandals and they really want like God's glory on the earth as it is in heaven. And so like that also makes me nervous. I'm afraid one of my friends is going to pop up in the video and that makes me uncomfortable. Too. Hey, I saw I saw people in the video that should not have been there. And I texted every single one of them and said, I am so sorry that you were pulled into this. You did not deserve that. Like literally mm-hmm. there's other artists and people that like are Hillsong involved or adjacent that are amazing people had no scandal and they were like being dragged into this because Vanity Fair didn't know any better. You know what I mean? There's just like lumped them all in together. They're all broken because they're all part of this machine. So, And that's the problem with, I just think the commercialism of Christianity in general, like just being an artist. And I said this on Instagram a while back, people have noticed a, a, a content shift as far as the things that I talk about. It's because after a while, I started thinking like, man, I do not want to be a person that that is, I don't want to be a person that Jesus comes back and flips over my table, right? Because we think about why he flipped over the tables. When you think about it, it was a very innocent thing. They were selling doves for people who hadn't prepared a sacrifice yeah. in the temple, right? So, hey, look, I'm providing a service to the to the faith, right? And then, boom, what winds up happening is Jesus comes back. He's like, you know, I'm not going to turn my father's house into a a den of thieves. And it's like, man, that's the problem with this whole thing. It makes it a lot more messy than it than it actually really should be, because he should be accountable to his church and the people that he hurt. Like what I believe Jamie said. And then also, I, I, I think that we shouldn't feel the responsibility for if no more should we feel the responsibility to have somebody like Carl Lynch falls that doesn't reflect on Christianity any more than it does for what people say when you see John Morant say all oh, black people are thugs right mm-hmm. because John Morant was flashing a gun he ain't even a thug right yeah. like you know what I'm saying or I don't know what, what's going on but it's like when you see I know that the feeling of like when you see a black person do something bad it's like oh you making us look bad but is that really 
they made us look bad or is it the people are so judgmental that they don't have the ability to look past and, and see the individuality of actual people and mm-hmm. not discredit people and not typecast people because of certain things because of their own internal biases so look Carl did what he did and look he's coming back and thank God that he he's he's redeemed himself but there's other people that have done bad things but I don't feel like they represent me like so I don't mm-hmm. feel like if if we're going to make decisions based around are they making us look bad or not? Like, I don't know, man. Like, yeah. but again, it's what Jamie said with the celebrity thing, man. It's, it's the celebrity thing makes everything messy. Yeah. It, it makes it messy. The Carl situation is very, very unique. There's nobody at mm-hmm. that level of cultural influence from the church that, you know, uh, a downfall would have caught national attention the way his did. So like what other Christian scandal has had multiple do- mainstream documentaries made about it. You know what I'm saying? It's like Jerry Falwell came close, but like, you know, my feeling is like if, if the media is talking about it and you, you know, they want to ask you questions and you want to open up about the story or where you're at now, more power to them. You know what I mean? But like nobody forced right. him to do this documentary. Nobody forced him to do any of this. He's just saying like, listen, I've been through it. Uh, I've worked really hard to keep my family together and get healed. And I kind of want to tell people honestly and humbly the story of like mm-hmm. who I was, who I became. And then after I lost everything, what God's done in my life since then is actually a, ultimately a story of redemption and grace, which is a beautiful mm-hmm. lesson to learn. Yeah. So Jamie's just watching it for the wrong reasons. You know, Miss Gossip <laughs> Tea lady over here. Well, I'm just I was, I'm I showing my vulnerability. <laughs> I'm being vulnerable here and yeah. showing you my weakness, guys. She kept you know, it real. I, I actually she have kept it real. real. I have a documentary for Jamie because I mentioned there okay. were two documentaries coming out. This one, Jamie, maybe you can feel a little less guilty about watching. Uh, it's called <laughs> Shiny Happy People, and it is all about the Duggars and the organization that they were a part of, the Institute and Basic Life Principles. So uh-huh. it's something that, uh, you know, the, the organization claims to have shared biblical um, principles. I'm not a but- fan of this organization, so why am I going to like this? <laughs> You're not going to like because it. Because you don't have any, okay. you know, it's like you don't, I don't ha- have yeah. any connection to it so maybe you can watch it just from like an outside perspective of like okay i'm on this it doesn't represent no it'll make you cynical man believe you like like charismatic christians are crazy and super fundamentalist christians are crazy everybody's crazy it's just very discouraging don't watch it <laughs> we're all crazy guys we're all crazy we're all crazy cameron i want to say yeah i know we got to move on this is the last thing i want to say is when you say were talking it. all that about carl and i was kind of imagining because honestly i do believe that like all of us are like just a couple steps away from carl lentz happening mm-hmm. in our lives i mean we're just we're all this is thick and juicy thursdays is really taking off and it's really causing a problem (laughs) apparently some are it it would be bad of us to all of us to look at carl and be like oh i could never how could he like we got to be careful we got to be real careful with that kind of attitude exactly and so when you were talking about carl wanting to come and share his story i was thinking about like if god forbid i just took a turn and i'm like addiction and a different life and all these things. And then God redeemed me from that. And the media was having a way that they were talking about that. But I know that God had redeemed me. I too would want to share that story publicly. Amen. And so that's I, I can tell you for a yeah, fact. That's and so now heart. I'm going to watch it and I'm going to feel that way for them. Amen. Except what's troubling is that the documentary doesn't okay, I'll listen to their podcast. It. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to listen to Try their podcast. That. I yeah. would say that because the documentary really does an inch deep, goes an inch deep about a bunch of stuff. And it's just like, it feels like they don't know what they're trying to say yeah. until yeah. apparently they get to the Brian Houston story. And right. that's what they're trying to get to all along. Apparently. Okay. Anytime right. a documentary is, is four episodes, four hours. I'm like, 
if the, the the old magazine editor and he's like, we could probably get this down to a tight nine hundred words oh. here. You know what I mean? Seriously, there's a lot of uh, little anecdotes that uh, Emily and I have literally been talking about this week about like how we would edit out different narratives and yeah. make it clearer. But yeah, it's funny. So so it's a big week for Christian scandal documentaries. You know, Duggars yeah. and Hillsong, the whole like, genre. Yay. Good for us. <laughs> It's it's it's, it's been Sheesh. since the family that we had a good one, and so uh, welcome it back. <laughs> no, you know? pool boy, pool boy was a good. Oh one yeah, that's last true. Year. That's true. That was a rough one, guys. That made me uncomfortable. It is a moment. I would, I would I love not like, watch any of them on the Netflix like scroller. It's like oh, I got uh, uh, inspiring cooking shows. Uh, oh look, in, they got a whole vertical for interior design now. Look at that, you know. And then yeah. oh look, it's it's Christian scandals, Christian scandal docu series. Uh, a whole, it's like a whole Lifetime channel. Or <laughs> yeah. Oh God! All right. Well, we we spent too much time on that one, so we'll skip the second item. What's the last thing you have for the buzz, Emily? Uh, yes, I want to talk about this really surprising study that came out about uh, the future of dating for Gen Z, and it actually came from Tinder, uh, the dating app. Oh um, wow! They looked at Reliable what Gen Z is looking for in a partner, and I'm curious. Before I list it, what do you think are some of the top qualities Gen Z is looking for in a partner on Tinder? According to a study from Tinder. So this is... Well, I was going to say like humor and, a, and you know, like good, like matching up that we're going to have the same kind of hobbies in line. But now I'm going Tinder. more Thirsty Thursday on it. <laughs> <laughs> you got to think, we're talking Gen Z. So who's uh-huh. the oldest yeah. Gen Zer is like what? 26. How old are they? 26. The oldest Gen Z is 26. I, I, I hesitate to venture a guess here because until I knew more, until I know like the specifics of the methodology, because like these kind of these kind of surveys come down to two things. One, are are these what people are telling you, or is this what the data is telling you? Because mm. I remember even back in in the in the day, we used to poll the audience at Relevant, like, "Hey, what kind of content do you want to see more of?" And it was always be like, "I want to hear more about justice issues. I want to hear more about the deep <laughs> theological struggles." And then you look at the web analytics; those stories do not perform <laughs> well. Never, yeah. But like some them. snarky, uh, you know, um, listicle yep. or or you know something that was about that was intriguing news about someone notable or mm-hmm. or a pop cultural artifact uh-huh. or something uh-huh. like those would always do well. So. All that to say, I, I don't want to venture a guess because this is what the Tinder data says. No, 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 they're no, no. swiping it's right on, or is this what Both they're self reporting? Okay. Both and. So it's a survey, mm-hmm. and then they they backed it up with, you know what, looking at the data, this is playing out. So oh, wow. And and over fifty percent of Tinder users are eighteen to twenty five. So this is straight up Gen Z. The future of dating, according to Gen Z, what are the main things that they're looking for, Emily? I am Pleased to tell you guys that the top three qualities that Gen Z says they're looking for are authenticity, loyalty, and respect. So, great, guys, look sure. at you! I'm so proud of y'all. Let's go, it's Gen like authenticity. Z. They're talking about authenticity. Mine would not have been either one of those. Yeah, because like what they're talking about is like they drew a contrast with millennials and and even how millennials used uh, Tinder versus how Gen Z is using Tinder. And they're talking about how like millennials play that game of like. They wait a while to text you back if they like you, uh-huh. and they like mm-hmm. you know they're they, they're like, yeah, they're just playing. It's like playing a game playing a little bit and dating, game, like playing hard to get. 
Gen Z, yeah. I mean, they're saying Gen Z is like, they will message you back within 30 minutes. Boom. They will like, they are not about playing games. I like you. Let's talk. I want to be honest about that. Da, 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 da. And they are literally like using quantified data to back up that what Gen Z said out. in this the, survey. Gen Z stresses me out. I, a 30 minute window to reply to a text. No, give, I need, I need a day or two sometimes. Like, you know, it's, well, you know, okay. The study was interesting. I, Apparently 40% say they'll respond back in five minutes. Five minutes. Okay, well, listen, my kids are not responding back to me in five minutes. Maybe I need to talk to them through Tinder or something because I'm like, hey, whoa, are any of y'all getting my text messages? Jamie, do not. Whoa, whoa, do not whoa, chat whoa, with your children whoa, on Tinder. Whoa, 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 Jamie. Guys, you know what I mean. I'm just saying. You put a little too much dip on your chip. Jamie, before you unpack that strategy and how you deployed it, I just wanted to give you a quick heads up. I'm actually working with... With a uh, notable streamer on a on a on a docu series, I was wondering if you'd yeah. be willing to sit down for an interview. This is just the kind of anecdote we're looking for. <laughs> yeah, me and my family. Yeah, I have some things to say. Whoa, <laughs> I have family secrets. Okay, my, my that joke went south real quickly. But what I'm trying to say I was is, on the is never south gonna go equator north. south. We talk when I say go south. south. We talking about down to the equator. Like, I mean, you was at the North Pole and got teleported down to Brazil. Like, you out of here. I'm going to tell my family tonight about this conversation and no. they're all going to shake their head. No. no, because they're going to be like, Mom, you always say the worst things. What's wrong with you? Knowing the difference. My point. This, this, this summer, you'll know the difference between wrong and swiping right. Bum, 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 oh, bum. yeah. The Jamie Ivy story. I like it. Yeah. Oh, Yo, my gosh. Imagine, imagine you on Tinder and then your mom no, pop up and tell you to do the dishes. <laughs> hey, look. Hey. You make sure you take that trash out and then you swipe. Look, look, I got a match. I got a match. I got a new parenting hat, guys. I just got a match with someone less than a mile away. Let me see. Oh, gosh. Mom, my mom my again. Mom. <laughs> <laughs> okay. oh, I know my laundry's anyway. not folded. Yeah. <laughs> so what's funny to me, and, and we've been doing this a while, is you know, 10 years ago is all about how millennials are disrupting everything and they're like hacking this and they're upending mm -hmm. that industry and all that kind of stuff. And what's funny is it's we're seeing the same thing happening with Gen Z, but they're mm -hmm. not looking at Gen X or or anything above it. They're looking at literally at millennials and yeah. they're saying millennials did it wrong and they're doing it differently. And not just with dating, but we're seeing this in a lot of areas. And it's really funny to me. Like there's this rivalry that's happening between millennials and Gen Z or Gen Z is like millennials. You got everything wrong. Like, why are you playing oh, games yeah. and dating? Just be honest and authentic and be yourself and you have deeper Look, connections. I, I took a break from social media. I'm talking about like in a sense of using it for anything other than like keeping up with friends, but actually using it to do anything. I come back and it's totally different. Like everything was totally different. And it was all because the truth is Gen Z is just like that quote in Batman. It was like, you, you thought the darkness was your friend. I was molded in it, made by <laughs> yeah. it. It's like Gen Z, they know the internet perfectly. And it would make sense why on Tinder, they're like, I don't have time to play. Because they got yeah. 40,000 apps mm. competing for their attention. They don't yeah. have any time. They don't. They mm -hmm. really don't have That's time to play. That's why they can't do play. the dishes at my house either. That's oh. a problem. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Listen, it's desperate measures are being taken to get those dishes. Done. If anybody around Austin matches with Jamie Ivy on Tinder, you better hey, email me and let me know so hey, we man. can call her pastor. I like to even think that Jamie has gone as far as to catfish her own children just to be able to slide into their DMs. Like she has all these. Very like attractive, um, you know, doppelganger <laughs> images. She's got that, finstas and yeah, stuff yeah, of like twenty-two like, year old oh. girls. Oh and, my god! And as gosh. soon as as soon as the DM starts starts going, it's like, well, you know what? I find very attractive. Someone who does the dishes every night. And somebody who respects their mother. Respects your mom. We'll go on a date if you take me pictures My poor kids. Yes. See, see, see. This is why there has to be a level of decorum. You can't just let all the dirty secrets out. Because the kids are the ones that suffer. They suffer. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, there's a lot more stories where that came from. Check out relevantmagazine.com every day. We're covering the intersection of faith and culture. Thanks, Emily. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye, Emily. We went from Carl Lentz to dating apps. <laughs> well, direct line. To an elaborate line catfishing scam yeah. just yeah. to get basic household chores done. <laughs> that really I can't wait to tell my kids this tonight. Well, look who They're it is. so embarrassed. Swipe. <laughs> look at who it is. Oh, Perfect man, match. That was hilarious. Perfect match. <laughs> well, I mean... Sure. All right. That'll do it for Relevant Buzz. Make sure to check out the latest at relevantmagazine.com every weekday. We are covering the intersection of faith, culture, justice, life, funny stuff. You should check it out. Follow along. All right. Stay tuned. Up next, Drew Holcomb joins us. You're listening to Best Friends and Joy Wave. The song is Flatline. Hey, if you like this podcast, but you might like it better if there were no ads, you can do that. Head over to relevantmagazine.com and sign up for Relevant Plus. For just a couple bucks a month, you get this podcast ad-free. You get ad-free unlimited reading at relevantmagazine.com, including the full podcast and magazine archives. Our beautifully designed digital issue and a little more. Uh, Check out all the info right there on the Relevant Plus tab at relevantmagazine.com. Well, our guest today is Drew Holcomb. He's a friend of the show and one of our favorite folk artists. He sat down with Emily to tell us all about his brand new album, Strangers No More, and how music has become more important than ever over the last few years. Here's our conversation with Drew Holcomb. Cheating time, cheating death, every time we take a breath, we don't have to do it alone. Well, I am excited to talk with you about the album, um, Strangers No More. Uh, I want to know, where does yeah. the title for that come from? Uh, it comes from the song, Dance With Everybody. Um, it's one of the lyrics and one of the verses. Um, uh, yeah, it's a song about kind of really an ode to the audience, in a way. Um, not in a way, it's completely an ode to the audience. Um, but yeah, I'm like trying to figure out where that exact lyric is. <laughs> My uh, 
non-digital self here has piles of lyrics around for interviews and I, I wrote it with Ketch Secor from uh, Old Crow Medicine Show. We were talking about how much we had missed um, the audience, like singing to cameras was not nearly as sort of meaningful as singing to a real audience and so we wrote this song just about kind of the smorgasbord of people that make up an audience of any show you know all sorts of different people so yeah the lyric is when you walked into this room you hardly knew anyone a sea full of strangers crashing on the rungs but when the band strikes by the end of the night strangers no more i want to dance with everybody who came to that door the idea that music is sort of a you know tears down tears down walls and builds bridges you know so when you walked into this room you hardly knew anyone sea full of strangers crashing on the rungs when the band strikes by the end of the night strangers no more i want to dance with everybody who came through that door what do you think it is about music specifically because you know there's so many other things that people could you know turn to but i feel like music is such a popular one that people like gravitate towards yeah i just think that there's so much sort of emotional um breadth in music you know it's gonna soundtrack your happiest moments like for me like i think it's like putting on willie nelson and dancing with my two-year-old in the kitchen you know chasing them around the house or thinking about listening to this year i lost my 97 year old grandmother who lived an incredible life but still it's incredibly sad to say goodbye and so i listened to um johnny cash's version of the simon and garfunkel classic bridge over troubled water just over and over again there's this line you know sail on silver girl sail on by and you know she had this beautiful gray hair um i just thought about her and listened to the song and just kind of you know you're like not only weeping for her being i'm not even weeping for her being gone but also like you're also like grieving your own mortality as you get older you know? um but i just think that music the ability to sort of uh marry beautiful words and stories whether it's sort of some songs are sort of more poetic and some are more narrative um some are more stream of consciousness memoir stuff so you kind of have like all the different genres of literature you know in one medium mixed with the emotions that the, the musical scale can take you on and then the rhythmic reality it's like there's just there's so many beautiful ingredients in music that connect with everybody in different ways and that's why there's so much like there's so many different bands that connect with different people and everybody's got their own experience because they have they're bringing I mean, we all whether we whether we want to admit it or not like the music of our childhood the music that our parents or grandparents or neighbors or friends listened to affected what we like and you know so there's just like everybody's musical taste is like its own little painting and i just think it you know you're always and you can trade you can like trade songs like hey have you heard this have you heard that have you listened to this and even with the the sort of changes in our the way we consume music that reality is still the same that used to be record stores and then it was mixtapes and then it was you know now it's like you know this playlist thing so anyways it's cool among the fields of barley see the children run as the sun goes down i really loved um your last album so much but i'm very curious how does your last album compare to this one like 
thematically and yeah. everything like that. Yeah, it's, I'd say really two differences. I mean, uh, one, while we're on the studio topic, Dragons was a much more sort of pre-planned record when we went in the studio. So we kind of had already had really clear ideas of what exactly we wanted to do on that record. Whereas this one, we kind of went in with the songs and, and a little bit more of a blank canvas and allowed allowed the band and I to kind of improvise and find the songs in the studio and not kind of come in with all these preconceived notions of what it was going to sound like. And then from a song perspective, I think Dragons was really a song for me that was very much about very particular people in my life. So, you know, the Dragons songs about my grandfather, um, but I'll never forget the way you make me feel is about Ellie. Uh, See the world is about my kids. Family is about my large extended family. And so it was a very personal record. And then I would say that this record is more of a sort of philosophical record. It's more of a me looking at myself and the world and sort of coming out of the cave with some sort of general thoughts about getting older or friendship um about i mean gratitude in of itself the name of the song you know it's just like this troubles like there's there's sort of these bigger idea explorations on this record um that aren't necessarily tied to specific people and narratives um and and yeah so it just feels like again the scale of this record sonically is bigger but it's also the scale of the themes is more sort of universal and less personal That was Drew Holcomb. No neighbors, though. Make sure to check out his new album, Strangers No More. All right, stay tuned up next. It's your feedback. Listening to Cody Lawless and Palfu. Song is Friday Night with the Neighbors. Today's show is brought to you in part by The Chosen. Season four of The Chosen is coming to theaters nationwide on February 1st, and this season has everything clashing kingdoms, rival rulers, and when they're threatened by the reality of Jesus' growing influence, religious leaders do the unthinkable, choose to ally themselves with the Romans. As the seeds of betrayal are planted in opposition to Jesus' message turns violent, he's left with no alternative but to demand his followers rise up. So get ready, relevant podcast listeners. February 1st is the big release day. Go get your tickets now at thechosenriseup.com. All right, it's time for your feedback. Last week, I don't know why we got talking about this, but we are asking we asked you what your most memorable date was. Good, bad. Or ugly. Do you guys remember what we were talking about to get to dating? Maybe this is direct. This is a follow to our Tinder slide. Uh, I don't remember. Prophetic. I don't remember either. I think it was because I think we were talking about taking first dates to Olive Garden, which was a baller move. That's what it was. Baller move. That's what it was. That's because no okay, one's complaining. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right. Here yeah. we go. So here's a few of our favorite replies. Uh, John B said, I once... I once brought a first date onto a late night radio show. I DJed in college and we um sang, you're the one that I want from Greece live on air. Ooh. Acapella. Ooh. We thought it was funny at the time, but in retrospect, I cringe. And a bro, first date. First, first date. date. That's a no, lot. I cringe for I you. Listen. I cringe for you. I was at a karaoke event not that long ago and a couple came up mm -hmm. and and commandeered the mics okay mm -hmm. and they did the grease thing it, you could tell they have done this hundreds of times in uh -huh. their marriage and it i'm telling you whether you see it in a terrible acapella version on you hear it on late night radio with two people barely know each other or a mm -hmm. couple who's been together forever and this is the this is the 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 hundredth time they've done this publicly it's cringe every time. Like it was like it was There's so. Nothing to make it uncringe. I, I didn't know these people, but I I really really resented them, and I still resent them. I still think about them and just how much I hated that performance. So, uh, oh, I, wow. I agree with you, was it kind of cringy when uh, John Travolta and, and Olivia did it in the show? I mean, it's, it's like it's kind of just a kind of a. I got to be honest, and you've never seen Greece. No, I've I've seen it, but this oh. is gonna rub people the wrong way but i feel like i've been forthright for this i think most musicals are pretty cringe when it goes from dialogue <laughs> to singing i'm uh, you lost me just in a second yeah, it's yeah. very uncomfortable yeah can yeah. i agree with you fully i'm not a musical fan at all i haven't seen a ton of them but la la land is amazing and i watch it regularly see i, I like la la musicals land. and i didn't love la la land it's just i know i'm like i'm an outsider there I've never seen either of those. The worst feeling is when you go to a movie that you didn't realize was a musical and, and, yes. and you're like, oh yeah. no, please no. Please let this just be one I'll tell song. you what's not a cringe musical. Dream Girls is not a cringe. Dream Girls is probably the one of the best movies ever made. So me and my brother, I took my, my brother graduated or something. Yes. I took him a brother's trip up to New York. Right. It was just me and my brother. And we were just like hanging out and walking around. It was like 1030 at night. Hey, let's just go see a movie. So we popped in to see a movie. And the only one showing was Dreamgirls. I'd never heard of it. It just come out that day or whatever. And mm -hmm. so me and my brother sit down in a theater and all of a sudden everybody starts singing and stuff. And I was like, so I uh, I had no idea what to expect, but I found myself watching Dreamgirls with my brother in New York. That was That's hilarious. Yeah, but um, yes, Dreamgirls is a musical. Yes, I, just, I did not know it's, that it's, one. It is. Yeah. I just yeah. looked it up too. Musical drama. Got it. I've seen yeah. it. It's great. All right. Well, there's more stories. It was kind of some awkward ones. Uh, I, I did notice that somebody said that they were nervous before their first date. And so they Googled conversation starters. Have y'all ever done anything wow. like that? I'm like, that. And she just got no. through that in before the story. And mm -hmm. I was just like, man, I didn't know people actually were that nervous they for They need dates those cards the that you have, Cameron. Yeah. Yeah. The table topics. Yeah. Mm hmm. Anyway, all right. Uh, so it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Well, we we spent a lot of time talking about the the Hillsong docu series and the Duggar docu series. Um, got us thinking about docu series, and Jesse has a whole channel he's wanting to start on Netflix. He's got mm -hmm. a big pitch meeting coming up, so we need more documentary ideas. So that's it. That's the question this week: is tell us other Christian documentary stories that should be made, and. Uh, We'll read our favorites on next week's show. Hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcasts, or you can reply on our Instagram story poll as well. I was going to say, I don't even think it needs to be, it doesn't need to be like, you know, related necessarily to like, 
you know, ministry or something, just right. a, a story that you saw on like years ago, we talked about those Ruby red slippers that went missing. Do you remember yes. that? And I was, I've been <laughs> yeah. dying for a resolution to that story. That's, that's, you, tee that Jesse, up, tee that that's a documentary. documentary. They found up. them. They found them. Where were they? Oh, see. Years later. So we were talking about the Dorothy yeah. slippers were stolen out of a little tiny museum mm-hmm. and like no podunk town. And yeah. there was a huge mystery. And then they found them like a year ago. Or like, even uh, you can Google it. Even even like the Monkey Island story. It's like just a documentary with a guy who was on the island when they all escaped. Like I there just want to tell that story. So I want to hear that. So not Christian documentaries. Just documentaries that need to be made. Yeah. Yep. The inside the Ikea scoop. monkey. You finally the get the monkey. inside scoop on something. Yeah. yeah. All right. I like it. Let's do it. There you go. Hit us up on Twitter at Roland Podcast. Well, before we wrap things up, I want to thank Drew Holcomb for joining us. Make sure to check out his new album, Strangers No More. It's really good. Oh, by the way, you should be uh, fully up to speed about the spring issue of Relevant, but if you've been putting it off, now's a great time to catch up. We have a great cover story with Michael B. Jordan. We have Beth Moore and of the North, some great artists like Royal Otis, um, Fits in the Tantrums, Colony House, a lot more. Go check it out. It's available for free. Just click the magazine tab at relevantmagazine.com. Also, make sure to not miss any of the stuff we're doing. I mentioned earlier with the buzz heading heading over to relevantmagazine.com and bookmarking it and checking back every weekday uh, for the latest but if that's too much for you if you're too busy you can sign up right there at the website for our free newsletter where we send you our top five trending stories each weekday morning also you can follow us on all the socials Uh, we would appreciate it and you know some good stuff we're putting out some good stuff we want you to keep in the loop all right that'll do it on that note I'm Cameron Strang I'm Jesse Carey I'm Jamie Ivey. I'm Derek Miner. We'll see you on Friday. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on the Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com. We could probably get this down to a tight 900 words here. Relevant Podcast Network.